Lord, we just lift these things up in your name. God, I just pray, God, as we come to this moment in time where we hear a word from you, God, that you would use this time to speak to our hearts and speak into our lives. And Lord, I just pray that you would just use Chris this morning, God. And God, use your word, God, to penetrate our hearts. And God, that we would have the courage to make the change. And Lord, we pray these things, ask it and believe it in faith. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Good morning. Wow, this is a great crowd compared to 8.30 this morning. They act like the roads were bad or something. Well, it is great to see you. It's great to have you who are watching online. Would y'all give Justin a hand for a wonderful job with us this morning in the band? What day is it, gentlemen? Somebody hollered something. Joseph, what'd you say? I have no idea. Translate, Annie. Lovey's birthday. Raise your hand, Lovey. Lovey, raise your hand. Happy birthday, Miss Lovey. It's Valentine's Day, correct? A lot of enthusiasm about that. We're in a sermon series titled Big, and I had no idea how big Valentine's Day is, at least to people who sell flowers and candy. In America alone, they estimate we will spend $22 billion this week for Valentine's Day. That's down $6 billion from last year. Billion's hard to get your hands around. I want you to see what $22 billion would look like. That is a lot of cash. If you were to take a million and multiply it times a thousand, that gets you to one billion. So to get to 22, obviously, you multiply that one billion by 22. That's a lot, a lot of money. We have another picture, don't we, that gives a little bit of illustration. That's a billion dollars. Wouldn't you like to go home today and find that in your carport? Wouldn't that be just unreal? Well, you'd be going to prison because or something. That wouldn't be good, but that would be unbelievable. And, and we spend that money because we celebrate love, and a lot of Valentine's about romantic uh, love. But in 1 John chapter 4, in our last series on big, I want you to see some words God shares to us. I think they're very appropriate for Valentine's Day about love. And here's the first thing that this passage tells us, 1 Peter 4. Loving others is the second most important thing in life. If you're a Christian... You're going to become one. Here's your priority list. It's not winning arguments. It's not being a theology expert. You're going to see what God lays out here. Verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. If you're taking notes, I always hope you do. The word above there means in front of or before. In other words, we're going to see in front of everything else, but one thing, loving others is that. He says, and he says, keep Keep loving one another. Now, one of the emphasis of this passage is the effort of, of the love he calls us to. Keep means to hold to something or to cling to something. Now, why am I saying it's the second most important thing? Because here he's saying above all, and I think he's saying above all besides this one thing. Matthew 22, and this, is, this same story is told in Mark 12. Matthew 22, some, the, the religious leaders come to Jesus, and they're always wanting to argue. And they say, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Here's what Jesus says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and, and great commandment. Now, that's all they asked for, right? 
Jesus doesn't stop there because the law is not complete just there. A lot of religious people want to hang out just there. But Jesus said in the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this last verse is incredible. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Folks, the religious scholars of Jesus' day had said there were 600, 615 laws in the Old Testament. That's probably true. Jesus said, you do two things, you fulfill the other 613. You love God with all your heart. You give your life to him. You follow him. You put him first. And after that, you love people. You can't have one without the other. You see the preeminence, and you're going to see in this passage, the the strenuous nature of maintaining this type of love for others that he calls us for. Now, it's also interesting the context. In, In 1 Peter, they were being persecuted. They were suffering. They were suffering for their faith. Life was not easy at all. He reminds them, look, guys, after your love for God, there's nothing more important than how you love and how you treat people. In verse 7, he says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, I want you to obsess about the end of all things. That's not what he says. Be self-controlled, be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Then he says, above all, love either. Now, here's a little kind of off the, the subject but important tidbit, Jesus said through Peter 2,000 years ago, the end of all things is near. Wait a second, that's 2,000 years ago. The Bible's wrong, isn't it? Because, I mean, if it was near then, then they must have missed it. Well, the, the, the verb near there, or at hand, means the goal of all things is near. See, when Jesus came to, to earth... When Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, and when Jesus ascended back to heaven, where he is today, sitting uh, on the throne with the Father, everything has been accomplished that needs to be accomplished for Jesus to come back. And God doesn't keep time like you and I do. 2,000 years to God in two days are, are, are similar. So what he was telling them and what he's telling you and me, the end of times could happen right now. Jesus could come back today. You could die tomorrow. You're suffering. We may suffer even for our Christian faith in the near future. Some of you are suffering. You're persecuted. You have hard times right now. He's saying, what I want you to focus on after your love for Christ is I want you to love people. I want you to keep loving one another above everything else again after your love for God. Wow. Now, real quickly, who does this include? It's Valentine's Day. Obviously, it should include your spouse. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, hopefully, if they're going to continue to be your boyfriend or girlfriend, right? The Jewish people thought that to love your neighbor meant to just love a fellow Jewish person. Jesus blew that away when he told the story of the prodigal son and the hero of the story with the Samaritan, the group of people that the Jewish people hated. He said, that's your neighbor. Matthew 5, if you're taking notes, Jesus said, love your enemies. And when he tells us to love our enemies, let me tell you who the scope of our love is to be. It's to be to everybody. Your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It's not primarily talking about romantic love, but it certainly should be your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your neighbor, your enemy. Everybody falls into this scope. He says, listen, I want the priority of your life above everything else after your relationship with Jesus Christ is people. Now, let's answer this other question, because this is really important. What does it look like to love people? How do we put handles on this? And the good news is this is not subjective. This is not my opinion or your opinion. Romantic love can be subjective. This is not subjective. And he lays out some things in the scriptures, 
throughout the Bible, but he lays out here what it means to really love people. Here's the first thing, and I'm sorry some of these are a little bit wordy, but it, 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 we kind of need it to be, I guess, this morning. Loving people is an unconditional, active choice of goodwill. It is unconditional. In other words, that, that you decide to love people despite their... You don't approve of their behavior or their misbehavior. You don't have to hang out with them all the time. But it's unconditional. It's active. In other words, when you love people, it needs to be something that they see and you see. It's an active choice. You choose to do this of goodwill. Again, in verse 8, above all, keep loving each other. Now, the New Testament, remember, is a quick reminder for some of you. It was written in Greek. The Greek is a very expressive language. They had four Greek words for our one word love. When you say you love your wife, your husband, you love donuts, you love sports, and you love your dog, you use the same word, hopefully with a little different meanings, correct? They could, they could use different words. They had the word eros for sexual love. They had the word phileia for brotherly love. Another word for family love. And the word used here is the word agape. And it's the great, it's one of the greatest words in the New Testament. When, in John 3, 16, when it says, for God so loved the world, it's the word agape. Here's what agape means. First of all, I want to tell you what it does. I mean, it's not emotion or feelings. It's not emotion or feelings. See, that's where you and I get messed up. Agape love, the kind of love God wants you and I to show to people, is not about how you feel. It's going to be about what you do. It's unconditional. I can disapprove of what you do. So you don't, in America today, you can't disagree with anybody or you're an enemy. But that's wrong. That's ridiculous. We can disagree with each other and still love each other. It's, it's unconditionally choosing to love you, to be benevolent or kind. It's, it's seeking good for the other person, and it's goodwill. See, the, the kind of love God says here, it's an active, I'm going to choose to love you. I'm going to be benevolent and good to you. See, this is how you can love your enemy. This is how you can love the stranger. This is how you can love your crazy aunt or your crazy uncle, whoever that may be, or that mean neighbor. Because it's not about how you feel, it's what you do is what God's saying here. It's an active choice of our will. In verse 8 again, keep on loving one another earnestly. The word earnestly, I don't think that's strong enough. Other translations, English translations, use the word deeply or fervently. Here's what the word means when he says keep loving each other fervently or earnestly. It means to be stretched out or intensely. It's a word of effort. It, it literally was a word used in athletics to describe somebody who was in, in a sporting event, let's see that picture real quick. Gentlemen, there you go. All of us have seen that. Many of you have experienced that. Maybe it's in softball or baseball. Somebody rounding third, trying to sprint to home before they get, uh, the ball gets there. Or, or football or, or soccer, someone running with the ball, kicking the ball down the field, trying to score. Basketball, making that great effort to get to the goal. The sprinter reaching, reaching for the tape. I love that emphasis of what God's saying. Is it hard to love people? Absolutely it's hard to love people. You can't do it if you don't have the help of God in you. We'll talk about that more at the end of the sermon. You need that. Maybe that's the reason you don't love like you should. 
But God said, I want you to quit whining, quit making excuses, quit waiting on your feelings. I want you to stretch yourself, push yourself, make an effort to love people. This is probably appropriate for today. One scholar says it's like turning on the water faucet full, full blast. Now, you go home tonight or the next few nights, you might leave it dripping. And you don't want to do this normally in life because you'd waste a lot of money and water. But he's talking about with love. He said, I want you to turn your faucet on full blast and let it run and don't let it stop. I want you to make an effort, make a choice to really love people. That's what love, one of the things it looks like. Here's the second thing. It's making people your priority. It's making people your priority. Are people the priority in your life? I love what someone said years ago. One way you can spell love is T-I-M-E. That's true. People who love you have time for you. Now, wait a second. Here's where I don't want your head to go this morning. To all the people who are failing you. I want our heads to go how we can do better with other people. When you're a good friend to people, when you love people, you make them feel better about themselves. Have you ever noticed that? Because they're a priority. I want to just tell you, someday at your funeral, you're going to hope the preacher can say that your priorities were I love Jesus and I love people. It's not going to matter about all your money, all your power, all your knowledge. Nobody's going to care about that. But if people can remember you the rest of their life as someone who loved Christ and loved people, who, and you, you love people by prioritizing people, you've died a winner. Time management experts have told us for years, you want to have a, an effective life, you need to schedule your day, schedule your week. A lot of people schedule out their month or even pencil in a three-month schedule. And you schedule by priorities. You don't plan your day and go, hey, I think I'll play on social media three hours. I'll spend another three hours watching Netflix or movies. And then I'll study for 10 minutes, I'll go to one class a day, or I'll do a little bit of work. No, you, you set your priorities on the things that are most important. You do those other things as, they, as you can. And, and if you want your life to be what honors God, set your priorities. Number one, love God and love people. And that's how you show them you love them, by prioritizing them. Here's the third thing. I'm sorry this is wordy, but it needed to be. Love is a visible expression of kindness and warmth and friendliness that comes from a sincere heart. Leave that up there for just a little while, guys. I'm sorry I didn't do a good job cutting that down. That's what it is. It's not pie in the sky. It's It's not academic. It's visible. It's kind. It's warm. It's friendly. And it's not manipulative. It comes from a sincere heart. He says, love each other deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. Look at verse 9. Show hospitality to one another. In other words, put some feet to your love. In in Jesus' day, in Peter's day, hotels and stuff were terrible. And so when people traveled, it was dangerous. The hotels were dirty. They were dangerous. And so you took people in a lot of times. And you'd have strangers come in and and stay with you, which could be dangerous and scary too. Now we would get them a hotel room. We would give them gas. We would do things like that probably. But hospitality requires 
visible effort in an act of kindness. That's what God is saying to you. Listen, if you don't get anything else I say this morning, I hope you get this. Man, your love needs to have sweetness all over it. Too many Christians and churches are just mean places, unhappy places, unfriendly places. Somebody say amen. And every redneck church I ever preached in would say, we're a friendly place. Well, you're friendly to the 15 people who go there. You're just not too friendly to anybody else. How many of you experienced that? <laughs> That's true. Origen was a great Christian leader, great scholar. And Origen said, describe us love. I mean, you could trace him back. He was 150 years after, but touching John and those guys. He said, what's love like? He says, love is just sweet to everybody. A loving person is a sweet person. Okay, if you've got a 50-pound Bible, that's awesome. Make your girlfriend or wife carry it, men. Quote it. Know it. Be religious. Be moral. Please be moral. But if you can't be friendly and nice and kind to people, you're a jerk. You may be lost with your 50-pound Bible. You hurt the cause of Christ. You hurt your church. You hurt other Christians. Carry your Bible and show people that you love them. Maya Angelou was a poet, still is a poet. And, and I, I love this quote. She said, people will not remember a lot about us, but they always remember how we made them feel. Wow. If you love people, the love God wants you and I to show to people, it's not about putting them in their place or being superior. It's about being nice and kind. And for, I mean, I know that's not deep. That's just all that the major thing God tells your life to be about. That's how deep it is. Here's the fourth thing. Love is about putting other people above yourself. Man, that's, that's a great simple definition of love. When you love people, it's not about you. I won't get Brandon up here to testify, but Brandon knows, I know, most of you know who've got a little gray hair. Great marriages are bad marriages. Great marriages, it's, it's probably more about them than it is you. Bad marriages, it's probably more about me than it is about them. Or it's true with relationships. And again, there's exceptions to the rules, absolutely. But a lot of us, a lot of us whine because we don't have good relationships or this or that. And, and the problem is, is it's always about us. Man, when you love people... This is only important if you want to please Christ and please others. It's about putting them above yourself. Here's the fifth thing. When you love people, you truly want what's best for them. Man, that's easy too. Above all, love each other deeply. Because when you love people, you really want their best. Now, now when I want the best for you, that doesn't mean that I just give you cookies and ice cream every day if I want the best for you I tell you the truth I pray for you I witness to you I invite you to church I'm honest with you I rejoice with you when you're happy I'm sad with you when you were sad write this verse down Matthew 7 12 Matthew 7 12 again Jesus calls this the golden rule whatever you wish that others would do to you do also to them for this sums up the law and the prophets that's part of the love thing there when you love people, you put them above yourself. You treat them how you want to be treated. You treat them, you want what's best for them. And, and when you do that, you are expressing and showing the kind of love God wants you to show 
for other people. Many of us last year read 1 Corinthians 13 every day. And, and three of these verses are so good that go right with what we're saying. Let's see these verses. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 5, and 7. Love is patient. It's kind. It's not envy. It does not boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude or insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. <clears throat> Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It's visible, it's practical, and it's beautiful. I want to give you two other thoughts on love that this passage says. When you really love other people, it changes your heart towards them. See, the problem this morning sometimes, and I'm not, again, I know many of us have been hurt deeply. We've been, people have treated us wrong. You still love those people. You move past them. You move on. But day in and day out, dealing with people, when you and I really love people, it changes our hearts towards them. I, I love, again, this verse. Love covers a multitude of sins. The word cover is a neat word. It means to, 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 the skin or to, to, a shell on something. It's our skin. None of you today want to see my kidney. Am I accurate on that? I know y'all are sleepy, but that, that's true. And you want me to show you my kidney? I, no, you don't. The skin, we want the skin to cover it up. We want other things to cover it up. And, and he says, a multitude of sins, that means a multitude, a mess of sins. God says, listen, when you love people, you don't dismiss or ignore, you don't try to justify their sins, but you don't broadcast their job. You, you cover it. It's kind of like this overcoat. I love this overcoat, not because it's pretty or fancy, but because it's the warmest coat I have. Because when you wear it, it, it literally covers you from your neck down to your knees. It, it covers you up. It's a covering coat. That's what it's supposed to be. And when you love people, you ever thought about this? When you love people, you don't want their junk broadcast. That's why mamas and daddies sometimes... You know, Junior never does any wrong, any wrong, the perfect little kid when he really needs to be spanked every day and sent into timeout every day when he gets home from school because you know he's done something bad. But we do that because we love them to an, to an extreme. Man, when you love people, you don't broadcast their junk. In fact, you do just the opposite. You broadcast their good stuff. See, when, when, when you love people, and I love people like we should, It changes our hearts towards them and how we treat them. Let me give you one last cool thought. When you really love other people, it changes their hearts towards you. Maybe this is the solution some of you are looking for this morning. When you really love people, I, I'm going to tell you, people aren't interested in your Bible knowledge. They're not, in, they're not even interested in if you can quote half the Bible. You need to be moral and upright if you're a Christian. That doesn't impress a lot of lost people, people who don't know God. But normal, sane people, there's exception to the rules, normal, sane people, when they feel and see that you love them, it changes their heart. You see that verse 8, let's see it one more time. When it talks about covering the sins and concealing the sins, that's talking about with you. When you really love people, normal and sane ones, 
begin to love you back. See, people, people, we're basically reactive. If people aren't friendly to us, we don't speak to them. If they treat us okay, we treat them okay. They're mean to us, we're mean back. We're, we're reactive. God said, don't you be proactive. And when you take the stance to really be sweet and kind and loving towards other people, it will amaze you how many people will begin to treat you that same way. Why don't people like me? Why don't you start loving them? can't control them, but you can influence them. Why don't you love them unconditionally? And just like when you love people, you overlook a lot of their junk and hang out with them anyway. You know what happens when, when you really love people and they start loving you? They start overlooking a lot of your junk too. You see, loving people is, is this, the key to success with God and with others and for you. Brian Tracy is a multimillionaire salesman, businessman, prolific writer. He studied, he's been a salesman, he studies sales. Here's what he said. The people in the sales industry, and we're going to apply this to all of us, the best salespeople, they're sincere, but they're kind. They're loving. They're positive. They're cheerful. And, and even if people don't buy initially, when they get ready to buy something, they go back to that person. When they want to recommend somebody, they recommend that person to people. Here's a, a guy, I don't even know if he's a Christian, but his sales expertise says, when you love people, it comes back on you. Folks, this is so important. Have a great GPA. But we know 85% of the success in your life and my life comes from whether people respect us and like us. They can respect us, and they need to respect you because of your character, but not like you. But when you have good character and you love people and you treat people well, regardless of how they treat you, you treat them well, it'll amaze you how they treat you. And 85% of your success in life is going to come down to how well people respect you and like you. You see, loving others is like a boomerang. Josh, let me borrow this. You just don't know how bad I would love to throw this out. But my experience as a kid is when I threw it out, it wasn't like, you know, I was going to say Captain Kangaroo, but it was Australia. What was his name? Mick Dundee. Mick Dundee. Yeah, you know, the crocodile guy. He would throw it out, you remember, and it would come back. I would throw it at my little brother, and it would hit him in the head, and he would cry, and then I would get spanked. So I know if I threw it, I'd clip Greg Smith right in the head this morning. But somebody that knows how to throw a boomerang, it's the coolest thing ever. They can throw that thing out, and it'll go out, and it'll come back to them. I don't know how to throw a boomerang, but I know what the Bible says about love. And when you really love people like you should, listen to me, you're doing the greatest thing as a Christian that you can do after loving God. Why well, go to 15 Bible studies a week? Sorry, Josh. That's fine. Do you love people? And when you really love God and you really love people, you're honoring God, you're blessing them, and you're doing the absolute best thing you can do for you. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. If you're a Christian today, you say, I know I'm a Christian. How is your love? 
See, a lot of people can be Christians, but their love has just grown cold. And if that's you this morning, man, I want to challenge you in a moment when we stand to come to the altar where you're standing. Get your heart right with Christ. Maybe some of you are doing great with this. Just keep it up. It takes effort to stay on course here. Maybe the truth is today you're, you're religious, but you don't have love for people. The Bible says in 1 John, that's one of the clearest signs that you're lost, that you don't belong to Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ in a moment. You can do that where you're standing or at the altar. But I want to ask you now to stand. We're going to sing a stanza or two. If you would like to respond, you can come to the altar and pray. Or where you're standing, you can respond to Christ. Paul. Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. Christian, I challenge you this morning, where you're standing, do you really love people like you once did and like you should? No other greater indicator of how you are with Christ today. Repent. Ask God to love people through you. That, that's, a pro, that's a prayer God will always answer. Again, if you're listening or watching or you're, you're here and you're not a Christian or you're unsure, but you're ready to give your life to Christ today, to let His love enter you and come out of you. Pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's Son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I ask you to save me today. If you would, would you be seated. And as Justin continues to play, let me walk you through our cards. If you have a bulletin, there's a little card attached to it. You can also scan the QR code on the screen. If you're watching online, there are directions how you can fill out the Connect card. I want to ask everyone, if you would, take just a moment and do this for us. Put your name on it. If you are a first-time guest today, or maybe you have new personal information, if you would, wouldn't mind filling out that personal info for us. And then look to the bottom or the back of your card, depending on the one that you have. There's a place to record a decision. Maybe today you ask Christ in your heart. Check that box. Maybe as a Christian today is a day of renewal for you. Check that. 
you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. If you're interested in being baptized or joining the church, check whatever would apply to you. Take your time. I'm going to give you some direction in a few minutes about how we will turn those in. If you have a card, you're filled out and you're finished, just set it aside. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together in just a moment. If you got in and you did not receive one of these little packs, we don't mean to embarrass you, but would you raise your hand where we can get you one of these? This contains the bread and the juice. Your participation will be miraculous if you don't have one of these, if you can. Everybody got one, I'm assuming by your no hands up, so I think we're good, Phil, unless somebody has subtly raised that I missed. When we take the Lord's Supper in a moment, if you're a Christ follower, we welcome you to participate with us in that wonderful celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection. I want to ask you if you would pray with me right now. Lord, we thank you for, for coming to earth and dying for us and walking out of that tomb to provide the salvation and the forgiveness that we need. God, you're the perfect expression of love. Thank you for showing us that and showing us how to love one another. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.